this is Women Talk God, a podcast about healing the world with love and justice, featuring Ruby Sales and Jackie Lewis. Ruby Sales is a civil rights icon and a leader in the Southern Freedom Movement. She's a spiritual mentor to many, including me. She is my mama, Ruby. And I'm the senior minister at Middle Collegiate Church in New York, a public theologian, an activist, and a pastor. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you'll share it, like it, and join us in this conversation. Last time we were together, we were right on the edge of something. I'm like, oh, let's do that. What is this thing about adulthood as an opportunity to come out the wilderness? Yes. Can you tell me more about what you think? Well, yes, because when we're children, other people have control over our lives, Mm -hmm. and we're subjected to other people's tyranny, right? and other people's screw-upness. But in adulthood, suddenly we belong to ourselves, and we have an opportunity to set right that which our parents made wrong, which our teachers made wrong, which the empire made wrong. Suddenly we are free out of the wilderness, and we've reached an age of maturity, but what I find, which has also been my struggle, Mm -hmm. all of our struggles, is that we keep reliving our childhoods. Over and and over again. All the time. Mm -hmm. And never understanding the beauty and the grace of adulthood, that we finally can become free of the impediments, the hurts, the wounds, the self-doubt, all of the things that we pick up on our journey as children. Right. In a way, we have a chance to parent ourselves out of that. Yes. To parent ourselves out of that. I was I had the craziest experience the other day, and I'm not gonna say too much because it'd just be it'd be too vulnerable. But <laughs> vulnerable, but not what vulnerable. Happened? I was on the phone with someone who had pushed some buttons, really, and I think they pushed him on purpose. But I wow. suddenly I was back in my childhood, feeling picked upon on the playground, feeling you know abused by bullies, right? And I was raging. I'm like. Why are you still talking? You know, hang up the phone. But I felt like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but I felt like my little person had been hurt. And I hadn't, I didn't have the resources in that moment, Ruby, to parent her past that childhood feeling, right? I needed a good mama talk or a good therapy talk, right? But in that moment, I was 12 again. I really was. I, I think that. We all have those feelings of smallness. No matter how the, the the imprint is so powerful. Yes. That no matter what we do, no matter what we achieve, right? There's always that voice that comes back to haunt us. That little girl, that child, that helpless, that vulnerable voice. Yeah. And always the refrain is, "You're not good enough. You haven't done enough. Yeah. You haven't." You're, I mean, and women hear this voice much more than men. Yeah, in, in the KFC. <laughs> right. <laughs> All the time. It's true. And, you know, I think you and I are people who resource ourselves with spiritual directors or therapists. And, um, and I'm thinking about what you say about uh, a theology of worthiness. Like, where yes. is God in this for us? Where, how does God co-parent us, if you will? co-parent with us to take our little person to a better more resilient whole place what do you think is, is, well how i does think God we start with, with the fundamental that we're all a part of god's creation we're all children of god mm-hmm. and therefore god makes available to us 
God's love. And what that means, I think, God's love does not mean that no matter what we do, it's okay with God. Right. But what it means is that God is always there to give us grace. God is always there with grace and, and gives us a day and a chance to do tomorrow what we failed to do yesterday. Mm-hmm. And God never gives up on us, as it happens with the thief on the cross, remember? Yep. When the, even at the end of his life, yeah. When he said, I'm sorry, what happened? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's what the love of God means. Never giving up on us. Mm, even that. when we've given up on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think um, two things come in my heart right now. One is the, the way that God's mercy, that love for mercy in the Hebrew, has yes. the same root as the word for womb. Oh. Yeah. It's, and I, I, I'm going to say it. Maybe it's rechem. I'm probably saying it wrong. But I feel like the thing about God that's been really resonating with me, Ruby, is that the way my mother would love me no matter what, God loves me no matter what that way, but that way always had discipline in it. And like, yes. I'm disappointed in you. You hurt me. That was Absolutely. not a good, that Absolutely. was not good. Girl, don't do that again. So it's not like a carte blanche kind of love. It's a love you into your best self kind of love. A, a wound it's a demanding lo- love. It, yes, yes, yes. Go it's ahead. an absolute it. demanding yes, love. Right. And there's a love that has standards. Yeah. God says that thou shalt love thy neighbors. There are all kinds of uh, standards that God put for, before us, right? Yep. So God is an exacting God. Right. God just doesn't love us simply because love, God's love doesn't mean that I can keep on doing the same old things and God loves me. Right. And I think that's what the empire promotes, the kind of mm. empire Christianity that says that God loves me no matter what I do. I can kill people, I can enslave people, that's right, I can gobble up resources, but guess what? God, God still, still loves, loves me. me. Yeah, oh, that's so good, that's so good. So one, so one of the empire's um, you know, God projects is you have a free path to just exploit you, the world. Absolutely, and that's love. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. God's love gives you a free pass to never have to say I'm sorry, to never have to consider other people, because after all, God loves me. Yeah. You don't and even have to repent. You don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah, right. except show up and God will love you. And you're free to, to do anything to anybody. I've been thinking one of the things that has really been on my mind deeply is the question of what's going on with immigrants. Mm, yeah. This is a recreation of all of the actions and the earmarks of enslavement. Yep, that's right. And in addition to being bothered by the fact that it's happening, I'm even more bothered by the fact of our detachment, that our spiritual and social detachment from what's going on. For example, there's been a lot of conversations recently about Joe Biden Mm -hmm. touching the women inappropriately. Mm -hmm. And and what bothers me about that, it it enrages me because you have black and brown girls and women in these sites of terror being raped and nobody says a word and the articles are there, you just have to look for it. 2,000 women filed complaints about being raped in these sites of terror. But yet, we have so othered them and so hardened our hearts that their bodies do not matter. 
that bodies do not carry the same currency as the bodies of these women whom Joe Biden touched? And what does it mean to claim your body while ignoring and erasing the body of other women? That to me is narcissism. That to me is untenable. I cannot, I cannot handle that. It's so maddening. It's, it's horrifying, Ruby. And, and that's, the, to me, another hallmark of the empire God, let's say, is that the imprint of the holy, the goodness of God, the beautifully createdness of God only is oftentimes seen in white bodies. And absolutely. <clears throat> so those children in the cages, those, those women being um, raped and sexually abused in detention, the trans woman being raped by a policeman you know, in, in, in a small Texas uh, uh, correction facility, all of those black and brown bodies that are not seen as worthy, valuable of, of our care and nurture and our outrage for their Absolutely. treatment. Absolutely, and people yeah. are so detached, Jackie, that even as they complain about Joe, it would never occur to them right. to step back and hear their voices and connect their insistence on being respected to right. the lack of respect for the black and brown women and girls in those facilities. Yeah, because their bodies are objects. Their bodies are not subjects. Their bodies are not worthy. We don't have empathy. We don't have connectedness to that. So I, how is it that we can create a theology where the bodies of those black and brown girls are worthy? Yeah. I think one of the things that's important, let's just say from a Christian perspective, is to really get comfortable and clear about the brownness of the one we call Jesus, who is Yeshua. That if we could just um, back up and de-Europeanize him, you know, I think that's a really important starting place. I mean, this way in which you know, God is white and Jesus is white, and so white bodies matter more than brown and black bodies. Male bodies matter more than... Um, than female bodies, it starts in the God we've created that looks like us, like white folks who create God in their image, as opposed to acknowledging that uh, we are all in the image of God, I think is the beginning of the problem. It's not the only place, but that what does God look like and what does God prefer, to me, is a a huge source of this. I, I think that Jesus... The understanding that Jesus was brown with woolly hair is really, really important. But I've got a bit of discomfort with making God be anything like us mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. in human form. Yeah. And I think that to say that God is black or to be woman is, although we might think that we're doing something differently, we're reducing God the way white supremacists have mm. reduced God. Yeah, yeah. God is neither male nor female. God is neither black nor white. Right. God is so beyond what we can imagine, and that is a certain degree of trivializing God. I hear that, yeah. To say, you know, and so I've got this, a lot of my friends are womanist the, theologians, <laughs> and I've got a beef with them because what we should learn is that there's a problem when any one human being or any group of people center themselves at the heart of existence, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at reality, that we should learn that we don't stand in the center 
that we stand on corners where we can see each other clearly and look at each other in multiple directions. I love that, Ruby. Stand on corners and see each other. Yes, and yeah. I, I just think that we've got to decenter God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and God is not a tribal right. God. Got it. That's right. That's right. That's right. So there's so there's something else then. Maybe maybe it's about really valuing or taking to heart what it means to love neighbor as self. Yes. Maybe that's what we what we need to think about together. Like I love this one this one these rabbis write what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Okay, so if if your neighbor's cow walks into your yard and falls down, you are to go pick up your neighbor's cow and feed your neighbor's cow and water your neighbor's cow until your neighbor comes home and then give the cow back to the neighbor. Like at that granular level, the the, the scribes and the lawyers looking at the Hebrews text and yeah. saying this is what it means. So what if what if loving our neighbor really meant, Ruby, when my neighbor's child is in custody, my child's in custody, or when my neighbor's been molested in a detention center, it's as though I've been molested in absolutely, a detention center. Absolutely, right? Like that place of deep heart-to-heart interconnectedness that Dr. King would talk about. Like we, I am you and you are me. We are one organism, and how do we really relate to each other that way? Does that have promise? Yes, I think that in order to do that, we have to move beyond our belief that the ultimate expression of human reality is a material expression. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about Nancy's going to be preaching on Sunday. Yeah. And the text that she's dealing with is a text where Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil and Ooh. Judas gets very upset yeah. and says, and Jesus says that the poor will be with us always. And that text has really troubled people because they believe that Jesus is, is validating poverty right. and, and, and sort of being a little bit self-absorbed and a little bit cruel. But suddenly as I heard that, as I read that text, I realize we only see it through the material aspect because we think reality is ultimately all material. Mm. I suspect what Jesus was really saying, that the poor in spirit will be with us always, that there will always be people who are spiritually impoverished. Mm. I'm not sure Jesus was talking about materialism as much as he was talking about a poverty of spirit. Mm. I love that. I, I love that because especially that goes with that beatitude. You yeah, know, thank you. Yes, Go absolutely. Ahead, Let's get next to Jesus. Yes, and, and I, Jesus was not yeah. there to issue those yeah. kind of indictments. Right. Jesus made it clear as did Martin Luther King that first and foremost, his was a spiritual revolution, right. and he was interested in the matters of the spirit insofar as they affected social realities but he was a rabbi yes he was he was a spiritual leader right so he was very much interested and 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 moved to change the poverty of our human spirits that have been decimated by empire amen at both levels right like at the spiritual level yes and at the you're hungry i'm going to feed you level. right But he realized that if you didn't change your heart if you didn't have a spiritual change to give you money didn't mean anything because you just spend it the way you've always spent it. And, and, the, and the social stratifications will continue to exist. That's the problem with reparations. Unless you have a change of heart, mm-hmm. you'll just get money and you'll just continue the empire. You have to have simultaneously a change of heart 
as well as in how you your heart changes will determine what kind of world you create. That there's a correlation between our inner lives and the worlds that we create. And it and so that movement mm. is not transactional only, it's transcendent. Yeah. It's calling us to a higher level of consciousness, to a mountaintop consciousness. I always love when you talk about that. When the, you talk about the mountaintop consciousness, yes, and, that, and the revolution that we need is really about taking us higher to another way to look at the world and to look yes. at ourselves in the world, right? Right, yeah. and to stand differently on yeah. the mountaintop. Amen. You stand differently yeah. you, because you're looking differently, right? You're looking out of your eyes in a different way. So it's a different way of positioning ourselves in the world, and it's not a world. It's not a hierarchy. It's a leveling, so yeah. that you see the world in, on a level level and not looking down or looking up, but straight across. Straight across. I'm conscious as we are having this conversation that um, we're 51 years past the assassination of, of Dr. King. Um, I was thinking about you uh, on that day, Ruby, and I was wondering how, how are you feeling? What, are you, what would you want to say about that? Oh... I, what I really want to say is that I want to talk about a reconsideration of why King was assassinated. Mm -hmm. And we are taught that he was assassinated because he was doing the Poor People's Campaign and he was criticizing the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And so, but the truth of the matter is, that's not why he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. He was assassinated because there had always been the tendency by those around Dr. King to materialize spirituality mm. and to make it transactional. And many times King fell into that bag, but he always struggled with the Hulk, so he critiqued electoral politics. Mm. Mm -hmm. He critiqued, um, he said that voting was necessary, but it was not the absolute. And so he was always struggling with that. At, Viet, uh, at Riverside, when he did that, that speech. Yeah, he reached a different level. Yeah. And he turned, He was beginning to transcend that movement back into a spiritual one. <laughs> he was talking about a transformation of values. He was killed because it was the spiritual call mm. that threatened the empire. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. It was a spiritual call of That's transformation and revolution to move from a thing society to a people-oriented society. Mm -hmm. He was finally in his stride about spirituality. From then on, it was very clear that he was going to go back to being first and foremost a preacher. Ooh, that's so good. And that was really threatening, just like Jesus was just, threatening to the empire. So let's crucify him. So, so yes, and so that's what made King very threatening because let's, he was talking about war no more. War no he was, more. He was talking about the uh, immorality, the spiritual injury of war. He was really calling down a spiritual, he was raining down a spiritual critique of America. The kingdom of our God yeah. versus the kingdom of America. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And Ruby, that's what made them dangerous. That is worth a whole conversation. So let's come back and talk about that next time. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more resources on healing the world with love and justice, go to middlechurch.org. Thanks for listening.